Welcome to the 401k Marketing Podcast. Are you ready to be the go-to expert in the retirement plan community? Listen in as we share ideas, resources, and best practices that you can use to professionalize your firm, demonstrate your authority, and earn more 401k business. For our audience today, Peter Dunn needs no introduction, but he's the founder of Pete the Planner. He's an award-winning comedian and an award-winning financial mind. He's a USA Today columnist and the author of not one, not two, but 10 books and has appeared regularly on CNN Headline News, Fox News, Fox Business. In addition to his work educating the public, Pete is also the CEO and founder of Your Moneyline, which is what we're going to dive into today. So with that, hi, Pete, and welcome to the podcast. Rebecca, it's so good to be with you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, you are a joy, and I'm so excited to have some questions for you today. Um, so let's kick it off. For today's listeners, could you please give us the background on why you started Your Money Line? When I was a financial advisor in the early 2000s, I started to notice this trend amongst my wealthier clients that they had plenty of income. They were brilliantly smart, but they had a lot of behavior issues. So I began troubleshooting, trying to create ways to change behavior on an individual level. Eventually, uh, one of my clients worked for a large organization. He said, you've helped me. Could you do this for 2,000 people at my company? And of course, like any moron, I said, yes, of course I can. And then you go and, and you figure it out. And so that's what we did. We did financial wellness in the workplace starting in 2009 and- Part of that included being in a conference room and every 20 minutes, someone different would come in. It was a financial speed dating sort of session. And over the next, I'll tell you, Rebecca, five or six years, I did just under 30,000 one-on-ones, which still seems made up, but we've done the math several times. And since we're in the financial industry, I trust our math. Uh, it's the truth. About 30,000 times, I started to see patterns and it turned into this idea of, you know, I think if we solve people's behavior issues that really have nothing to do with investing, we're going to get better retirement outcomes. And so that's what we built your money line around. And now we uh -huh. do that for hundreds of thousands of people. That's amazing. 30,000 interviews. It, it was a lot. The thing was, when you have 20 minutes with someone who you've never met, the first 90 seconds is about rapport building, but it's really about understanding the words that they say in what direction to take the next 18 and a half minutes. Because by the end of that thing, I don't want them to be charmed by me. I don't want them to be informed. Oh, hey, this is a mutual fund. I want them to take action. And so what it required is questions about, tell me about your financial life as an adolescent. What was going on in your household? Or what are you hoping to accomplish today? And inevitably, just like a, a physician, because you know how financial people love tying their work to that of a physician, they'll give me one symptom, but I will see a different underlying cause. We'll land on that and then we'll send them on their way. And then ultimately the way it was structured, they could come back again. The next quarter, they could come back again. Mm -hmm. And you build this relationship. And that's why we built your money line like we did, because of all of our experts that take our calls and emails, they can build relationships with people who come back after their initial 20 minutes. So you identified a trigger word or trigger comment, and then you were able to peel that back and say, hey, let's dive into this. And the person might have said, wow, how did you read my mind? That's exactly what I wanted to talk about. Yeah, it really is because you would hear things like, well, what's in your mind? And the people are like, well, my credit score is terrible. 
Hmm. which means one thing to a consumer and another thing to a financial expert. So for me, I personally don't care that much about credit scores. I think they are not terribly representative of a person's financial health. And the fact that this person thought that it is representative of their health allowed me to dig deeper to say, okay, what's the issue? Is the issue that they're allowing themselves to borrow too much money? Is it that they're missing payments? Is that they are coming off of a relationship transition, which of course Mm. is just a fancy term for divorce. And then, so what is that? And then you dig in there and then you're off and running. That makes sense. Let's give the audience a little bit of an inside glimpse of what's going on inside the sandbox of your money line. And what are some of the exciting new features that you're planning to roll out soon? Yeah, so we are launching 3.0 of our platform here in the second quarter uh, of 2023. We're pretty excited about it. So we're a financial wellness company and we partner with retirement plan advisors to, to serve their clients. And so that being said, we've also transitioned to being a software company. We build software and we're constantly, you know, has a roadmap. And what's on the horizon is the ability to benchmark plan sponsors against each other. We're going to be heading towards a place where we can be predictive about a participant's financial life. Mm. If you think about the relationship between an organization like ours and a retirement plan advisor, I've always thought of it this way. Our job is to do the dirty work. Our job is to help a person deal with their financial past, come to terms with their present. So that amazingly designed plan design that the retirement plan advisor came up with is able to actually matter because they're in charge of the person's financial future. So without tending to the past or the present, there is no future. And so that is what we're going to do. And so from a predictive outcome standpoint, Rebecca, it might look like this. We ingest a person's financial data. We take a look at it with our software and the software says, you know what? Nine months and two days from now, we predict a cash flow crunch. If you click here now, let's solve it. And so that's what we're going to be able to do. And then we're going to be able to take all of that data back to the retirement plan advisor and say, hey, just so you know, all of your clients that are in the healthcare space, these are the trends. And here's how you can better protect the business you have with healthcare clients. Because half of the value we bring to these partnerships is to RFP proof our Mm. retirement plan advisors. If they're not winning more deals or protecting the deals than they have, then we're not really delivering on the spirit of the partnership. I've always said, what's the point of a retirement plan? The point of the retirement plan is to retire. That's the whole point of it. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't think we should gloss over that brilliant point because I think successful businesses are businesses that retire people. Mm-hmm. And you know, of all the stakeholders involved in this conversation, which there are many, mm-hmm. you know, investors and the board themselves and employees, employer, let's not forget about that the employee, the participant, uh, the way they succeed is to successfully retire. and and that's why I love looking at contribution levels, I participation rate, of course, as well. I think looking at 401k loan percentages, what percentage of a population has a loan? Mm -hmm. I think that's wildly important. And then you get into the personal finance data side of things of what percentage of people are out of student loan debt? What percentage of people spend too much on housing? What percentage of people have the right amount in their emergency fund? And those are all things we measure within our platform. So let's take a step back and let's talk about why financial advisors need to incorporate financial wellness into their business. 
we have uh, all in this industry, and I again, I was a retirement. I was a two plan Tony, as you know, there uh, back in the day, right? I was a individual <laughs> advisor, had a couple plans like anybody. You're too else. modest, Pete. <laughs> no, I was. I just had a couple plans, but I was mainly doing individual wealth management. And we all, we've all been in that 401k meeting where you're in the break room, you got some slides, and you say, "Hey, you all need to save more for retirement." And then someone sheepishly says, "Hey, we can't really afford to." And then you as the presenter say, you can't afford not to enjoy the bagels. Thank you very much. And you leave and it's it's so unsatisfying. <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs> it's true. We've all been in that meeting. And so at some level, and you were right, the point is retirement. However, hitting someone over the head with data about how poorly they're doing at retirement doesn't work. If someone says, hey, I can't put in 6%, I can only put in four, and we say, but you got to put in six, what financial wellness does is says, okay, I hear you. Man, that's tough. I'm sure that is frustrating for you. Let's do this. Let us help you find that two extra percent. That's what we're going to do. And that is why I love that retirement plan advisors and record keepers are dipping their toes into financial wellness and sometimes dipping knee deep. But unless you're actually solving that 2% gap of mm-hmm. my hypothetical uh, example there, mm-hmm. then it's not really financial wellness, it's education. And on some level, you're just telling people stuff and then you're not actually helping them deliver on the action that's necessary to change the behavior. One of my friends in financial services, he calls it cleaning out the garage. Yeah. And when you clean out the garage, you find in their finances that extra 2%. And it's never something that's like this great aha moment. It's just little tiny things like cleaning out the garage. You don't like to do it, but you feel really good once you do. And that's where that extra percentage has come from. I was going to say, I, I think the other element that retirement plan advisors and a lot of people in the financial world get stuck on is that these concepts come rather easy to us. And so sometimes we look through the wrong lens as we try to help people with this. Mm -hmm. So when I deal with financial wellness challenges for the people we're helping, I choose not to look through the lens of financial wellness because I tend to make really good financial decisions and I understand it very well. So anytime I'm asking someone to make a change that is hard, that will help them, I instantly think about nutrition or I think about physical fitness because those are my behavior challenges. You put a tray of Rice Krispie treats in front of me, I'm eating the whole thing, Rebecca. I have no (laughs) discipline. So when I'm talking to someone about, hey, you seriously need to cut back on dining out, I'm not thinking anything other than that's a tray of Rice Krispie treats. And how would I talk myself out of consuming them? Because if I think through the lens of, the math doesn't work here. You got to spend less than you make. Stop going to Starbucks. The more you think that way, the more stuck your message will get when you try to get through to someone. Rice Krispie treats. All right. Good to know. That's, no, that's I got a big problem. Big your problem. Achilles heel right there. It is. You did mention in our prep call, and I'm really excited to dive into this. You mentioned that the retirement math isn't working. Can you take a minute and explain that? Gladly. The fun part about being on this podcast with you, Rebecca, is that we all speak the same language here, Mm -hmm. right? This isn't like the straight to consumer podcast where people are going to have to go Google things. Everyone knows what's up. In the 1970s, when Ted Benna, who's sort of the godfather of the modern 401k, when, when this all sort of went down, what we all know 
is that primarily at that time, it was a way to take highly compensated people and sweeten the pot for them, right? That was the basis of his work as a benefits consultant. At the same time, what you saw is that pensions fell starting from 1975. Yep. The data I like is 88% of the private sector had a pension in 1975. And today it's not that, yeah. right? So these forces combined and we found this uh, at the same time, the cost of college went up significantly. Housing has gone up significantly. And we've even seen life expectancy go up significantly during that time. And so all of these forces combined to this, this math that says, we used to have a three-legged stool approach to retirement planning. The pension leg got kicked out from under us. The Social Security for anyone you know 40 and under, there's a threat to that leg of the stool. Maybe not a permanent, hey, the leg's gone, but the leg's shorter, mm-hmm. which sounds unbalanced. And then so it becomes all of this work gets put into the savings and investments aspect of a person's retirement readiness. And I would suggest to you, that based on what we're spending on housing, what we're spending on not only the cost for our education, but our kids' education, and the increased prominence of Parent PLUS loans, the math doesn't work. The ability to say that the average worker in the middle class, and we could spend 20 minutes on defining the middle class, but it doesn't seem like a good idea, but the average person is going to struggle to retire unless they change some of the behaviors and they accept a different financial reality than spending 40% of your income on housing because owning a home is the American dream. So there's been some studies out there recently. And I think recently is it's been honestly like a trend line over the last five years where more and more employers are starting to offer financial wellness, which is great. We love this. But very interestingly, when they get their surveys and there's you know, five different options to choose from, why? Why are you offering financial wellness? And those five different choices all sound really good. But for some reason, employers check the box where they say, I think it's the right thing to do. It feels like it's the right thing to do. There's not a lot of information around it's the right thing to do. And then there's been some new surveys over the last two years where employees are actually starting to say, to their employer, I believe it's your responsibility to make sure that I'm financially well. So when you think about that, what are some of the top concerns of employers and how can they help those employees achieve financial independence? It's funny because I agree with the assessment of both surveys, right? I think it's the right thing to do, but I don't think that's worth necessarily taking action on. For those with big purses and uh, big wallets, then yeah, you, you got the benefits money, throw money at it. I think there's a, a a more pragmatic idea here though, is that it may not be your fault that your employees' finances are bad, but it's certainly your problem. So I think it's more pragmatic than it is altruistic. Uh, mm. And I don't think there's anything wrong with an employer saying, this is altruistic and it's actually pragmatic. So let's go to some prudential financial data that is out there that I really like. It suggests when the average person of retirement age is at retirement age and can't retire because they are not prepared, and so they don't retire, it Mm -hmm. costs their employer approximately $50,000 a year per year in excess benefits and compensation. So let's look at what that really means. So take the largest manufacturer or employer, shall I say, in your town, 
So just think about it right now. Everyone lock in your answer. Everyone's got a name on their brain. Okay. What are the chances? There are five people there right now, this large employer who are in that situation at retirement age, can't retire, doesn't retire. And what's the chance that it persists, that problem for those five individuals for four years? The chances are pretty darn high. What we've just described is $1 million of excess compensation and benefits held up by five individuals for four years. That to me is a problem worth solving, uh, especially for legacy businesses. So when we talk about legacy businesses here at Your Money Line, we mean businesses that have been around for decades, mm -hmm. if not a century. And unless you're retiring people, you're getting this bottleneck at the top of the career arc. And then what you're doing is you're not retiring people. You can't bring in less expensive talent. And the nuance here that most of us understand, hopefully all of us understand, this is not age discrimination. We are retiring people who want to retire. We are not saying, oh, hey, you're 65, get out so we can hire someone who's 25. What we're saying is, thank you for the decades you've dedicated to this organization. Let's take you to the next chapter of your life. And by the way, so we can persist as an organization for another several decades, if not century, let's have a better business system and, and hire uh, people at less wage cost. Uh, I love your example. First and foremost, it's so easy to turn into a story because if you're talking to an employer who, let's say it is a family business and they're the second generation who's taken over, they know exactly who those five people are at their exact company at that moment. And they're probably going, I wonder why they haven't retired. They're awesome people. We They've been here forever. They're wonderful. But I wonder why. And I hope that that prods the, well, what can I do to help? And yeah. maybe it starts off with the conversation. Yeah. It, really interesting too. You're right on the cusp of crossing that T, which is that means also there's not a culture of retirement within mm -hmm. that organization. We talk about healthy workplace financial cultures. Well, what does that mean? Number one, it doesn't mean that people go to the 401k loan well. We all have seen in this mm -hmm. business, organizations where the culture of 401k loans is alarming, to say the least. I think the healthiest financial culture you can have, I'll give you a very ambitious one that I think is hard to deliver on, then I'll give you a more practical one. The ambitious one is, hey, let's all become millionaires, right? Like It has to be the right organization. It's just math. But what you're saying is we are asking you to help us accomplish very large business objectives and goals, and you're going to benefit for it along the way. Let's all be millionaires. And that sounds promissory. It is not. It is math, and you can make it happen. But the second one, which is much more approachable, is we retire people. You remember Gary and Steve and Helen? Yeah, they were last year's retirees. And this year's are Roger and Beth and Mary. And it's that culture of retirement and celebrating your retirees. Love That's it. what does it. It can't be the, oh yeah, there was a guy named Timmy. He retired seven years ago. No one talks about it. And so it's not, it's not something that people aspire to. 
I wonder if people, you know, if you do create that culture of retirement success, if they could have like alumni retirement come back year after year and you turn it into this, you know, come on, like this is the retirement party. And then it's all the folks from previous years who've worked there and everyone gets to see each other and it turns into this really cool annual celebration. You know who does that the best are school districts. K through 12 schools are amazing at that. This is the other element of this conversation, which can be really interesting for retirement plan advisors. Some of your clients can compensate people very well, but then have weaker benefits packages. Other organizations and industries like K through 12 schools have more modest comp, but can have amazing benefits. And so hmm. I, I like people, a retirement plan advisor to think through their book which is it? Because it's not both. Which is it? And if it is really about modest comp and amazing benefits, then lean into that and get them some financial wellness. Love it. Hey, Pete, let's let's end on a nice story that you can share about how your money line has helped real people in their daily lives. My favorite story that currently exists in this world, and we get lots of them, there was a uh, school maintenance worker at, at one of the school districts that we work with. And so if you think back to when you were in school, oftentimes these people are the most beloved sort of iconic people yeah. in the school. When I was in elementary school, there's a guy mm -hmm. named Mr. Bowling. He had an amazing mustache and everyone knew who he was, right? Like we all have this person. When I, Mr. When Russell, I, by the way, right? you, you know them by like Mr. Something. Yes. And so like when I go to visit my son at his school, he's in mm -hmm. fifth grade, they got a dude so and everyone funny. loves this guy and he's a yeah. legend, right? Not too long ago, a few months ago, you know, we got word of based on what we do. We do a lot with public service loan forgiveness within our platform. We get tens of millions of dollars of student loans on track to forgiveness for our clients alongside with our retirement plan partners. And so it came through that this beloved school maintenance worker had over $100,000 of student loans forgiven by the work that we did for this person. And it it surprised right. him. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, you're a school maintenance worker. You're not keeping up on the latest on the PSLF program that launched in 2010. you just not your thing. And so we helped him understand it. We changed this man's life by six figures overnight. And it was as gratifying as a moment I've had in my 25 plus year career was that. And uh, the good news is we have a lot of stories like that because this is about action. This is about driving retirement outcomes by fixing a person's past and helping them come to terms with the present so the retirement plan advisor can actually do their job and retire people. Love it. Thank you, Pete. And I'm going to requote you because you said, without solving for the past and the present, there is no future. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining today's podcast. For folks who want to continue this conversation and learn more about your money line, how can they get in contact? Hey, the best place to go is yourmoneyline.com slash partners. If you go to that partners link, we establish partnerships with uh, retirement plan advisors all around the country so we can keep you on a pedestal to your clients and, well, do the dirty work, which is so gratifying. So yourmoneyline.com slash partners. Awesome. All right. Thank you again so much. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much for listening to today's 401k marketing podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of our guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of 401k marketing. The content has been available for informational and educational purposes only. We hope you enjoyed.